Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Master the NEC, where we talk about the National Electrical Code. Today's episode is part two of Article 334, dealing with non-metallic sheathed cable. In our previous part one, we talked about the uses permitted and uses not permitted. Uh, and now we've worked our way up to when we install non-metallic sheathed cable in an exposed application. So a couple of things that come to mind is potential for physical damage. How are we routing this non-metallic sheath cable so that we don't put it in a position where it can be subject to, to some type of physical damage? We've learned where we can use it and where we can't use it by listening to part one of this series. But now we need to understand what do we do when we install it in an exposed application? And you know, we can install non-metallic sheath cable exposed doesn't always have to be concealed within a wall. So let's look at it here. So if you got your code books, we're working on the 2014 edition of the National Electrical Code. Uh, you could clearly follow along in the 2011 edition. And if you have an edition earlier than that, shame on you. Okay, how about that? You need to get a 2014 edition, get up with the times, uh, and get the most recent edition of the NEC. Now, Get your code book open and go to 334.15. We're going to talk about exposed work because clearly non-metallic sheath cable is permitted to be used in exposed applications, except for where it's prohibited in 334.10.3, uh, which basically is other than one and two family or multifamilies where it has to be behind a, a, a at least a 15-minute fire-rated assembly. Uh, basically drywall or gypsum board or what have you. Okay, and we've covered all those applications. So now let's look at when we run it exposed, what do we got to consider? Basically, it's the, the charging statement here for 334.15 is this. It says, in exposed work, except as provided in 300.11a, and that's when we're, we're allowed to use NM cable in a uh, suspended ceiling or a drop ceiling in a one and two family or multifamily. You can't use it in a a commercial application, but a one and two family in a multifamily space, then we could use it but above a suspended ceiling. 300.11a is just talking about how it needs to be secured and supported uh, between, uh, say, individual wire supports from the framing of the member down to the grids frame that basically you put in those independent supports, then you can run non-metallic cable through that. And it technically wouldn't be running with the surface of the building because 300.11a permits us to use those independent wire supports to do this. But the code is going to talk about running NM cable, for example, against the surface of the building or on running boards, but it wants to make sure that you do remember that in 300.11a, it, it's not necessarily going to run with the surface of the building because 300.11a permits it to be run a certain way. So that's all it wants to remind you of. So let's go on and get into it. It says the cable shall be installed as specified in 334.15a through c. So we've got three different uh, parts here we got to deal with. Well, the first part is non-metallic sheath cable has to follow the surface of the building. So 334.15a says cables shall closely follow the surface of the building finish or of running boards. So basically, a running board is like, say you're in a, in a basement and you look up and you have your joists and you're going to see in a minute that we can't run 14 or 12 or even 10 along the bottom of those joists without boring holes. But I could put a running board up. Well, the running board basically is me putting a board along the entire length of that basement ceiling, let's say. 
and it's a one by four and I nail it to the bottom of those joists and then I can run it on the flat surface of that running board. I can run my non-metallic sheet cable and that's, that's a running board and I can do that. Okay, so I either have to run it with the finish of the building or I have to put it on running boards. So that's your, your first thing about non-metallic sheet cable that you learn, that you have to run it with the surface of the building or on the running board. Now, in doing so, you run into item B here, or part B, which talks about protection from physical damage. Now, with non-metallic sheath cable, the rule of thumb here that I like to use when it comes to physical damage, because there's real no definition of physical damage. So, basically, I like to say, I am not real uh, good at it personally. When I install something, I go, hey, that's not subject to physical damage. It's really hard to tell what could be subject to physical damage. It's, it's different from each person. But I kind of do this. I, I break it down to like a five-year-old level. If I install that non-metallic sheet cable in a way that I think a five-year-old who doesn't know anything about safety, doesn't know anything about what that wire is doing or that cable's doing, could they damage it? And if the answer is yes, then it, again, to me, then it's subject to physical damage. So keeping that in mind, and everybody's different, it says cables shall be protected from physical damage where necessary by rigid metal conduit, intermediate metal conduit, electrical metallic tubing, schedule 80 PVC conduit, type RTRC marked with the suffix XW, or other approved means. Now the other approved means is going to be whatever is acceptable by the authority having jurisdiction. Maybe it's a a, a plastic sleeve that's designed to go over and protect wires that is obviously equivalent to a Schedule 80 in thickness and, and construction, uh, that maybe they're okay with that. Maybe it's putting it between two 2x4s two and kind of framing it in. Maybe that's okay in, in the eyes of the local jurisdiction. You know, that's going to be subject to them. But when you get something that says other approved means, it's not to the approval of the, ins uh, the installer. It's to the approval of the inspector. That's the one, okay? Now, let's go on. Keeping in mind, we're still dealing with physical damage. Where NM cable passes through a floor, the cable shall be in, uh, enclosed in rigid metal conduit, intermediate metal conduit, metal uh, electrical metallic tubing, schedule 80 PVC conduit, type RTRC marked with the suffix XW, or other approved means extending at least six inches above the floor. Now, this one I run into a lot. When they poke through the floor with non-metallic sheath cable, whether it's for a receptacle out in the middle of a room or underneath an island where a cabinet's going to sit down and be a, become an island, if that wire is poking, that cable is poking through the floor, you have to protect it up to six inches. Now, we're not talking about where it pokes through in the middle of a wall cavity because it's inside the wall cavity. We're talking about anywhere in the floor surface area that it penetrates uh, the floor area, then it would have to be protected up to six inches from the point of penetration. Uh, and it gives you the, the type of, uh, of items that you can use to protect it. We talked about it. RMC, IMC, EMT, Schedule 80 PVC, RTRC with the XW, or other approved means. Again, your jurisdiction's got to be the one to make that call. But you have to protect it from six inches from the floor where it penetrates up to that height. Uh, I don't know how many jobs that we've been on that that's coming through the floor, out in the middle of the floor, or where an island's going to be in the future, and it comes up and it's and it's crushed at that point. It's bent over in a 90 
or it's bent over in an L and it's been subject to people standing on it, stacking wood on it. Who knows what? And the insulation's damaged. The, uh, the, the sheathing is damaged. Uh, and that's what we're trying to prevent here. So it should extend up. And then lastly, now we're dealing with something that's specific for type NMC cable. It says type NMC cable. Again, we're dealing with physical protection now. It says type NMC cable installed in shallow grooves or chases in masonry, concrete, or adobe shall be protected in accordance with the requirements 300.4F and covered with plaster, adobe, or a similar type of finish. Now, this is where you weren't allowed to put non-metallic NM or NMS into a shallow chase in masonry, concrete, or adobe. If you remember back in 334.12b3, you were permitted from doing it. Where we're specifically saying here that, hey, you can use NMC for that application. So if they chisel down a wall or what have you, that you can put the NMC in there. The only thing is you still have to protect it from physical damage. So the code is saying you're going to have to run a 1 16th of an inch steel strip or something of equal equivalence over top of it for its entire length of that groove to protect somebody from driving a nail or putting a stud against it and shooting something into it thinking that there's a stud back there or, or whatever. So this is those people that, that chisel down a wall. They try to run non-metallic sheath cable down the wall and then we fail them because the groove is just deep enough for the NM cable to go in there. And then we have to cite 334.12b3 and say, you can't put non-metallic sheath cable in there of the normal type. You could put NMC in there, but you'd have to put some kind of protection over it, a 1 16th of an inch thick steel plate or equivalent. Uh, and they say, well, I don't want to do that. I, I don't want to, I'm using non-metallic sheath cable for everything. And I say, well, you're going to have to switch over to NMC right there where chances are they're not going to find NMC so they're going to end up wanting to use UF cable because UF cable does meet the corrosion environment and it can go in that groove. So that's something that you, you have to keep in mind. But specifically in that last paragraph of uh, 334.15b, it's talking about putting NMC in a shallow groove or chase. But you still got to protect it. The only caveat to that is you could groove it deep enough that the edge of the cable from the surface is an inch and a quarter away. Then you don't have to put the steel plate. But that's a lot of grooving out to do if you're talking about concrete or adobe or, or masonry. So chances are most installers just chisel it deep enough to put the cable in it. And then they're going to have to put that strip of protection up. But again, you can't just chisel it out and put NM cable in it. Normal NM. You just can't do it. All right. So now let's go on to item C. Now item C is the one as a previous... Uh, rep for NEMA where I traveled around the country, I would often hear jurisdictions changing and modifying this one to whatever they believed suit their need. And this happens to be item C here, or part C, I don't know why I keep saying that. Part C, it's in unfinished basements and crawl spaces. So we're installing non-metallic sheet cable in an unfinished basement or crawl spaces. It says where cable, uh, where, where cable in, is run at angles with joists in unfinished basements or crawl spaces, it shall be permissible to secure cables not smaller, that's the key, not smaller than two six AWGs or three eight AW conductors directly to the lower edge of the joists. Now, that means, and since we're in the non-metallic sheath cable uh, article here, that means that I could run a 6-2 with the ground 
along the bottom of the joists uh, and secure it uh, every four and a half feet. Or I could run 8.3 with uh, a non-metallic sheet cable, 8.3 with ground along the bottom. Well, those are considered large enough that they're not subject to drooping or people hanging stuff on it. It's not going to damage it. It's got some kind of some kind of body to it, if you will. Um, but anything smaller than that, like 14 gauge, 12 gauge, 10 gauge, 10-2, 10-3, 12-2, 12-3, those type of things, they have to be installed on running boards or they have to install through board holes. And you're going to see that in just a second. Now, it says, and that's where I came to this, it says smaller cables shall be run either through board holes, in joists, or on the running boards that we talked about earlier. Because I can install running boards and install them actually on the running board. And I've seen a lot of unfinished basements where people will go and they don't want to drill the holes. So what they'll do is they'll take a, a 2 by 10 and they'll, they'll nail a 2 by 10 against the surface of the floor joists. That gives you a nice wide 10-inch area. And they'll run all their non-metallic cables of the smaller type, 14, 12s, and 10s, along that running board and that kind of and it's so they meet the securing supporting requirements of dot 30 that's 334.30 and they do everything and it looks nice and neat and it's all in one place and that's how they do it and that's considered a running board now it says non-metallic sheath cable installed on the wall okay we're, we're, we're talking about a wall now wall of an unfinished basement shall be permitted to be installed in a listed conduit or tubing or shall be protected in accordance with 300.4. Now 300.4 again is giving you an idea of maintaining an inch and a quarter away from the surface. Uh, if I have a framed up unfinished basement, okay, and I want and I have its open framed, then I could run the NM cable along parallel with the framing member. As long as I stay back an inch and a quarter, then I'm good. I don't have to do anything. But if I had the finished wall or the unfinished wall in the basement, then I could install a conduit or tubing down that wall, sleeve the non-metallic sheet cable into the top, and we'll talk about some of the things you got to do. But that's going to permit me to do that in those unfinished basements. Okay. I will grant you that it doesn't say a word in there about doing that in a crawl space, okay? It says non-metallic sheath cable installed on the wall of an unfinished basement shall be permitted to be installed in a listed conduit or tubing or shall be protected in accordance with 300.4, okay? I'm just saying that's all it says. It didn't say crawl space there. Keep that in mind. Now, it says conduit or tubing. It doesn't matter whether it's plastic or metal. It says uh, shall be pr provided with a suitable insulated bushing that's at the top of it or adapter at the point the cable enters the raceway. So if I'm running it in the unfinished basement and it's, and it's conduit or tubings on the wall and I come from up in the joists, I come down and now I want to go down the wall to an outlet box, I will go into a, P, uh, into a tubing or conduit. I have to have a bushing or an adapter on the top to protect it as it goes in so it doesn't rip the sheathing. And even if it was plastic or metal, I still have to have the bushing. I still have to have that or the adapter at the top so it doesn't damage the sheathing. Uh, and it goes into that. Now, the caveat to that is the sheathing has to extend through that conduit or tubing all the way down to the outlet box or junction box. And that sheathing, or the jacket, if you will, has to extend at least a quarter of an inch into the box. If it's a half an inch, that's okay. It's got to at least be a quarter of an inch into the box. You can have an issue where you don't have enough, but I could have an inch, two inches, three inches, 
you know, might be sloppy in some people's mind, but I have to at least have a quarter of an inch extended past the conduit into the outlet box or junction box. Now, it says the cable itself uh, shall be secured within 12 inches of the point where the cable enters the conduit or tubing. So at the top, where it turns and enters into that bushing that's on the top of that conduit or tubing, within 12 inches of the point where it turns and goes down that tubing or conduit, I have to secure it within 12 inches of that point. So that's got to take place. So I got to do all these things in order to be able to do this. Now, it goes on to say if it's a metal conduit or tubing and a metal outlet box shall be connected to an equipment grounding conductor uh, uh, complying with the provisions of 250.86 and 250.148. Now this is dealing with bonding those pieces together, those metal components, as well as providing the equipment grounding conductor to be able to bond those components together. So luckily in a non-metallic sheath cable we have a bare conductor that's being used as an equipment grounding conductor. If it was a metal box you're going to bond that metal box to that equipment grounding conductor with a screw. And if you have a, an EMT, for example, uh, electrical metallic tubing, and you have a metal connector for that tubing, then it's going to connect to a metal box. Then because you took that equipment grounding conductor and connected to the box, then by proxy, you're going to have the fitting and you're going to have the conduit. They're all bonded together and you're good to go. However, let's say you were to mix and match that. Let's say I had a piece of of EMT running down, but then I went into, for heaven forbid, I went into a plastic connector, which again wouldn't be listed for that application, but let's say you did, and then I took that plastic connector and I took it into a metal junction box. How am I going to bond that EMT? If there's a fault in there, something happens and it gets energized, it's just going to sit there hot. So I have to bond all metal parts uh, in accordance with 250, Article 250, which is dealing with grounding and bonding. Now, most notably, I'm doing it to, to meet the provisions of 250.86 and 250.148. So, if I'm going to use it, most of the time I'm probably going to use Schedule 80 PVC to sleeve it down. I'm going to use a proper fitting and I'll bring it to the box. If the box is metal, that's fine. As long as I bond that box with the equipment grounding conductor, we're good to go. If I'm using EMT and I come down to an EMT fitting that turns into a, an EMT box, I mean a, a, plastic, a metal box, then that box is bonded to the equipment grounding conductor, then everything's good to go. I don't have to do anything else. So that's what it's talking about. All right. So hopefully we covered that and made it real clear for what we're talking about when we're dealing with this, this protection from physical damage, running non-metallic sheath cable with the surface of the building. If not, we have to install running boards. Uh, in unfinished basements and crawl spaces, I have to run uh, 10, 14s, and 12 type of non-metallic sheet cable either through board holes or on running boards. If it's like six, two sixes or three eights, in other words, a six two or an eight three or larger, then I can run that on the surface of those floor joists. I still have to secure and support it in accordance with 334.30, but I can actually connect it to the bottom of those floor joists, whereas those smaller cables, I can't do it. I'd have to run a board holes and run it through the holes, or I have to put a running board. Now, where most jurisdictions are removing the crawl space requirement is because they say, look, how in the world is somebody going to get under the crawl space in order to put a running board or bore holes? Well, my response to that is, why are you running non-metallic sheath cable under there if you can't get under there adequately to, to, to meet the provisions of the code? They say, well, somebody would have to lay down there on a drill and get down and drill holes. And my response to that is, 
Yeah, well, somebody's got to get down there and secure it and support it anyway. So they just don't want to put running boards up, but they want to be able to drop down and then pop back up somewhere else. So, you know, my thing is you have to install a running board or if you have to bore holes. If you can't bore the holes because the crawl space is too shallow, then you probably can't get under there to put a running board. Chances are, why are you running your conductors down under there anyway? Why don't you just keep them up on the floor that you're working on and just install your wiring around the building? around through the framing members, through the studs, and work your way around, okay? Uh, I know people say, well, I like to go under and back up because it saves wire, less drilling. Well, yeah, but then you got to install running boards or you got to bore holes. There's no reason for jurisdictions to remove the crawl space requirement. You either can do it or you can't do it. They either be able to comply or they can't comply. Uh, it doesn't. It's not really an argument to me, okay? So anyway, and incidentally, I had crawl spaces that weren't but two and a half, three feet. And if I wanted to go down and under, I either went down and bore the holes or I went down there and installed a running board if that's what I wanted to do. Okay. It was easy to comply with. So I don't know why jurisdictions want to want to mess with that. Either comply with the code or don't take your smaller non-metallic sheath cables down there to begin with. Okay. All right. That's off my soapbox, but I just wanted to discuss that. So that's what we're talking about in part C of 334.15. Now let's move on to 334.17, uh, through or parallel to framing members. Now it says type NM, type NMC, or type NMS cable shall be protected in accordance with 300.4. That again is maintaining an inch and a quarter spacing. We're installed through or parallel to framing members. Grommets used as required in 300.4B1, that's metal framing members, shall remain in place and be listed for the purpose of cable protection. All right, so if I'm going to use, take a home and I'm going to build it with metal framing members, which is becoming very popular, uh, they'll build these metal framing members and they'll punch the holes in it. I have to use grommets that actually snap into these holes and they remain in place. Because it used to be years ago that you only had to protect the lower portion of it. And when people would pull the cable through it, it would flop up and down. And those sharp edges of that metal framing member, and when I say metal framing member, guys, we're talking about that real thin sheet metal, really, really thin frame studs. Okay, we're not talking about big framing members like you'd see with I-beams. We're talking about these metal joists, uh, or these metal studs, if you will. And what happens is, the, the actual cable will bounce around as you're pulling it through and it will cause it to slice and, and dice that sheathing and it could damage it. And so they want a grommet that goes in there that actually covers the entire sharp surface areas of that punched hole. And in that case, you've got to use a grommet that's listed for that application and they are made for that. All right, next let's go on to 334.23, inaccessible attics. Okay, so I have an attic and it's accessible. When I'm running non-metallic sheath cable in there, I have to protect that cable as it's installed in that accessible attic. It means I could go in that attic to store stuff or crawl around there or do something. But rather than give you the requirements here, what they're going to do here is send you to 320, which is dealing with AC cable. And they're going to say, look, go on over to 320.23 and follow all the requirements in there. And where it says type AC cable, just substitute that with type NM cable and you're going to be okay. So let's do this. Pause right now if you want. Let's go on and go over to 320.23 and I'll do it with you. Let's go to 320.23 and see if we can't read that. 
and I'll let you know when you get there you can continue on all right so I'm there at 320.23 let's look at it now what does it say here it says 320 says inaccessible attics and remember where it says type AC cable I'm going to substitute it just for this course with the term NM now I might remind you that over and over in case you're somebody that goes what in the world is he talking about hopefully you're at 320.23 and we're thinking about non-metallic sheath cable here it says type NM cables remember it says AC but we're going to substitute AC with, M, uh, with NM type NM cable inaccessible attics or roofs spaces shall be installed as specified in 320.23 A and B so A and B it doesn't say A or B it says A and so both apply where applicable so let's look at A and see what we're talking about now this has to do with cables running across the top of floor joists alright so this is running across the top of a floor joist when you're up in the attic it says we'll run across the top of floor joists and then it has a comma then it says or within seven feet of the floor or floor joists across the face of rafters or studding the cable shall be protected by guard strips that are at least as high as the cable alright so what that means is anywhere in an accessible attic that I had the floor joists is that I'm gonna run wire along uh, cable along those floor joists okay then I have to protect it with guard strips now it also says that hey in that accessible attic I have to up to seven feet in all directions and that even covers the roof rafters or any studding that might be around there I have to protect that non-metallic sheath cable with guard strips basically a guard strip don't confuse this with a running board the guard strip would be like if I had a piece of non-metallic sheath cables uh, stapled down to a, to a floor joist in an attic which is which is really the attic uh, which is really the uh, ceiling joist for the whatever the floor it is below it but it's the floor for the attic space if I'm running the NM cable uh, across that then I and I put a two by four on each side of it and it's so the NM cables kinda down in a little cove if you will then when I'm stepping up there there is absolutely no way that I can step onto the cable and crush it or maybe cause it to to crush over the edge of the of the floor joists and cause it to rip the sheathing or damage the insulation or compress the conductors together and that can cause the damage to the insulation and it can affect the insulative resistance in that insulation and that can be a real problem so that's why you have to have these guard strips but it goes one step further and says hey I've got to do that for all of the spaces within seven feet of this access okay so I have to kind of draw uh, uh, take a string and go from the edge of that access and go out in all directions with that from the edges of that uh, access up to seven feet if that's an access that I can has a pull down ladder or whatever uh, or I can easily get into without any means for a ladder then that within seven feet I have to keep this in mind so if even if I'm running them on the rafters of the roof if it's within seven feet I have to protect it with the guard strips okay but don't lose sight of the fact is since it's an accessible attic that other places in that attic I still have to install guard strips I don't know how many times I see this in an accessible attic the people will put the guard strips and meet the seven foot rule but eight feet over is clearly an accessible attic where it has a ladder to it what happens is they'll run normal NM cable and say hey it's outside of the seven feet I don't have to protect it and that is not true that's why the commas there 
it says we're run across the top of floor joists, comma, or within seven feet of a floor or floor joists across the face of the rafters or studding that I have to put this protection by guard strips. Keep in mind, this is an accessible attic that we're dealing with here. Now, it says where the space is not accessible by permanent stairs or ladders, protection shall only be required within six feet of the nearest edge of the scuttle or attic entrance. So there is a difference, okay? You have the seven feet from the access, if it's a pull down or one that's permanent, and then the other space that's up there, which is part of that accessible attic, and then you have an attic which is basically just accessible through a scuttle hole, then it's different. You only have to worry about a six-foot perimeter around that entry, and that's from the edge of the actual scuttle hole or entrance. Okay, So you have to look at each of the applications in there, but I think that the most important thing that I can bring out of this to you is to read the first part again. It says, we're run across the top of floor joists, comma, or within seven feet of the floor, or floor joists access across the face of rafters and studding, then you have to provide these guard strips on this cable. And it has to be at least as high as the cable, otherwise it's pointless. So I think that comma in there is very important. If this is an accessible attic that has pull-down stairs, that whole area, if it's accessible, the only way that they would put pull-down steps in an attic like that is if the attic was properly constructed to potentially be used as storage space. you got to ask the building inspector about this. If it is, in its attic space, then any of the wires that I pull across the top of it, I need to protect with uh, guard strips. So it's really important that you notice that comma in there after the word floor joists in the first part of item A. Okay? Now, let's go to B. This is talking about cables installed parallel to framing members. Now, basically, if I'm installing wires up in the attic and I'm running parallel with the framing members, parallel with the floor joists, parallel with the rafters, it says where the cables installed parallel to the sides of the rafters, the sides of the studs, or ceiling or floor joists, neither guard strips nor running boards shall be required. Well, obviously not, because it would be no different if I run it on the side of a framing member, okay? One thing you do have to keep in mind is that you still have to meet the requirements of 300.4D. So you're still going to have to maintain that inch and a quarter separation. So you're going to have to run it in the middle of those joists and those rafters and maintain that inch and a quarter separation, okay? All right, so that was 320.23, which was actually... 334.23 who sent you there. So now let's go back to 334 so we can get back to where we were. And give me a second while I get back as well. You can pause me if you'd like to pause so we get back to where we were. Uh, but we'll, until we get back. All right. Now that didn't work. Bear with me for a second. Okay. I'm going to jump back. And okay. Now. Let's go back to uh, where we're at now. We're going to 334.24. Now we're going to deal with bending radiuses. So anytime you overbend something, even with non-metallic sheath cable, if you overbend it, you can damage it. You can damage the insulation uh, or something like that, and we don't want to do that. So to keep from damaging the insulation, we're going to have some bending radius requirements, and it's called the minimum bending radius. In other words, this is going to keep you from bending it too tight. 
So here's what it says. It says bending radius. It says bends in type NM, NMC, and NMS cable shall be made so that the cable will not be damaged. Okay, so we got to be able to bend it. and We don't want to bend it in a way that could damage the cable itself. It says the radius of the curve of the inner edge of any bend during or after the installation shall not be less than five times the diameter of the actual cable. So from the point where the bend starts, and let's look at it this way. Let's say I take a round ball, okay? I take a round ball, and, and what happens is I'm bending the non-metallic sheath cable over that ball and kind of turning it into 90. The point where it starts the bend and the point where it ends the bend, that interior radius radius cannot be, it has to be at least five times the diameter of that cable. Because if it stays at least five times the diameter, then you won't be bending it too tight. Now, routinely, here's what I see people do. They'll come to a junction box. The junction box is filled going in the top. So they'll pass over the top of the junction box and go down below it. And then they'll turn and they'll come right back up into the bottom of that junction box. And when they get to the bottom, they staple the, the part that came down against the part that goes back up. So they think it looks all nice and tidy. And what they've done at the bottom is they created a bend that is too tight. Okay, when you're going through holes and you're turning through bends and you're pulling wire, non-metallic sheath cable likes to be gradual bends. They don't like right angles. They don't like to be bent too, too sharply. Okay, you could risk damaging the interior conductors. So you want to maintain at least a radius bend of five times the diameter of that cable. Easy way to do that is simply take a ruler, measure the width of that cable, the flat long side, and do that times five. And whatever value that gives you, you want to make sure that the bend starts and ends at least that much in inches. If it's more than that, that's fine. That's a real gradual bend. But what you don't want to do is have it start and then turn it so sharp that the point where it starts and ends is less than five times that diameter, the interior diameter. Then you'd have a problem. You'd be bending it too tight, too tight of a radius. Okay, so we like nice gradual bends. So keep that in mind when you're running your wires. You want to make nice and flowing bends. You don't necessarily want right angles and real tight. I've seen people go through up a stud and then turn directly to the right and go through a board hole. And they'll actually tap it down with their lineman clines so that it looks like it's a nice tight right angle. Well, if I go and measure the width of that cable and then I go to the point where that bend starts and the point where that bend ends and it's not at least five times that diameter of that cable, then I could fail you as an inspector because you didn't meet the requirements of 334.24 to maintain that minimum bending radius. That's real important. Well, that's where we're going to stop today at part, uh, uh, part two of Article 334. We'll pick up on part three dealing with something that's really critical, and that is 334.30, securing and supporting a non-metallic sheath cable. I hope you enjoyed the show. Be sure to give your comments on our Facebook page. Visit our website on masterthenec.com. Download the iHeartRadio app and listen to our shows there. Email us with future show requests and comments at info at masterthenec.com. We'd love to hear from you, and then we can tailor shows for what you want to hear in the future. So stay tuned for part three of this episode, where we'll get further in to non-metallic sheath cable. Thanks again for listening. God bless.